Well, listen, we're starting a new series today, and the series is called Let's Talk. Uh, this is a series that I'm really excited about. Our whole staff is excited about, our creative team. And it's an opportunity for us to kind of work through some things. I don't know if you're sensing this, but I certainly have sensed this, that the last 18 months or so, uh, we've kind of gotten to a point as a, as a world that, that we don't really talk well to each other anymore. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that there's probably a lot more shouting going on than there is listening? That maybe that, that people are speaking into your conversations that you didn't invite them to, and next thing you know, their voices are present and it's there. So there's this struggle that's out there. And this series, we're really hoping, is an opportunity for us to, to help us to negotiate how we deal with each other when it comes to our relationships, but more importantly, our communication skills. Let me ask you this morning, have, have any of you ever been in an argument with a family member, a coworker? Have, have you been in an argument maybe with somebody in your church or in your neighborhood? And you, and you know that those arguments oftentimes leave you kind of feeling like really yeah, distraught, or maybe you get charged up because of, you, you feel like the conflict is good. Well, we're going to learn about some ways as to how to deal with that. And one thing that I've come to learn is that many of us are opinionated and many of us are passionate. And more importantly, when we put those together, we're passionately opinionated. Would you agree with that? <laughs> so so this, this series is going to help us to really deal with that. But before we go there, I want to kind of get a reading of the room. I want to kind of get an idea and have you all participate. I'm going to show you a couple images in a second. And what I want to do is, is when we look at those, when I share image A or image B, I want you to clap which one you associate more with. And that'll kind of help me read the room because I want to find out who's right today. Just asking for a friend, by the way. Let's take a look at these. So who, who's an Apple person? Yeah, go ahead and clap. I'm an Apple guy. How about Android? Oh, man, so the Androids have it in this service. Last one was Apple. How about this one here? Uh-oh, this is, this is fighting words, right? All right, all right. So how many of you are like Gator people? Okay, last service there was three. It was Bobby and his two sons. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. How many of you are Seminole fans? Okay, I think the Gators won today. The Gators won today. How about this one? Okay, these are socks. Who like folds their socks over and who like tucks them together? So who folds your socks together like on the left side there? Yeah? Now who's a tucker? Yeah, I'm a tucker. Exactly. Now this next one here, this is the one that really is fighting words, okay? All right, you know where this one's going? Yes, and we're going to ask this publicly. Uh, who's an over? <laughs> who's, who's an under? Okay, yeah, the overs had it on the last one too. Now, now this last one I love, and I know what my answer is, and it's which one would you choose? Who, who's the dog person? Yeah? Who's the cat person? Crickets, okay, all right. All right, so we can tell, so, so this is just a, 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 an easy way to just kind of look at how we read the room together, what our conversations are like, and, and more importantly, kind of like, um, do we have opinions and are we passionate about certain things? You know, these are kind of benign, aren't they? I mean, there are some things out there that really push our buttons. There are some things that we deal with in everyday life that, that are really challenging for us. They, they are things that we like to argue about. And as, and as human beings, I think that they were kind of wired about that. We, we like to debate. We like to argue. We like to kind of make sure that people know that that's our opinion. And sometimes we do it to a fault. But whenever um, those opinions and whenever those arguments, whenever that inability begins to happen where we don't communicate well with each other, what does it lead to? It leads to what, like division in households? 
It, it causes brothers and sisters of siblings, you know, to fight. It, it causes, like, fallout with our parents. It even causes fallouts in, in the workplace. And some people change their job because they can't get along with the person that's in the office. And we see churches. Churches split. Churches split because they don't communicate effectively. But I'm talking about the really deep conversations. I'm talking about the kinds of things that really, if we were to take a step back, I'm going to name a few of these, it's kind of like, whoa, what do we deal with that? I mean, how about like racism? How about like LBGTQ plus when we talk about that? How about when we talk about, you know, different conversations like poverty or, or immigration? And when we start mentioning these words, when we start mentioning uh, what these mean, they stir something up inside of us. And we either immediately draw to that, that we're for something or we are against something or, or maybe we just say, well, I don't have an opinion. But these things can be very divisive. When I was growing up, I have uh, three brothers, so we are a family of six, and this represented what Sunday morning was. I wanted you to know why we have this up here. Some of you probably think, like, why is that up there? Well, this is kind of a central part of this whole series that we're going to be teaching on Let's Talk, because the, the, the family table, you know, I was raised that on Sundays, this was the place that we came and we sat down and we had dinner together, and we began to share and have conversations about what was happening in our lives, what was good going on, what some of the challenges were. It gave my dad and my mom an opportunity to speak into us. It gave me the opportunity as the youngest of four boys to kind of get advice from my older brothers to see where they kind of got in trouble and I could avoid that. And, and I kind of, uh, we, Patty and I adopted that later on for our kids, and, and we used to call family meetings when our girls were growing up. They knew that when we said it's time for a family meeting, what that meant was that there was something we needed to talk about. And we do that today. Maybe you do that. So, so as we look at this table, what, what I want to kind of draw the conclusion is, I don't want you to see this as like a dining room table that's on the platform in your church. What I want you to see is, I want you to see that as Jesus's table, okay? Because we're going to bring things to the Lord's table, to God's table, and we're going to have some conversations so that we know how, how to deal with one another. So as we begin this series, I really want us to start off on the right way. I want us to have an invitation into prayer. So would you just, whether you're in the room or whether you're live streaming with us as you're worshiping today, would you just close your eyes and adopt a posture of prayer? Lord God, we just pray for humility today. We know that we all bring certain things that we're excited about and emotional and passionate about, things that are in our hearts, whether they're issues or whether they're things that we see or that we're wrestling with. But we pray today that you would allow us some space. Give us this opportunity to be real, to have a conversation, but more importantly, to grow in you. Because the only way we can understand what it means to truly talk to one another is if you are part of the equation. So may the heart, may the life, may the love, may the transforming power of Jesus Christ be upon us. For it's in his name. Amen. So whether it's passion or whether it's opinion, I think sometimes the reason why most of us aren't honest in our conversations is because we're just, we, we just kind of want to hold it in our heart. We don't want the conflict. We don't want someone to know maybe what's going on or maybe a truth that's happening inside of us. We don't want them to read us in a way and we stuff it down. If you're a person who holds on to that, you know exactly where I'm going with this. 
that you just keep stuffing things down and stuffing things down. And then all of a sudden, the person or persons that you're in relationship with, you have a hard time interacting with them because now all of a sudden, all that you're not wanting to deal with has turned into resentment, and resentment can lead to anger. So we're, we're going to learn how to, how to bring that out, or we're going to learn how to, how to let that go, because what we don't want, we don't want our talking to hurt our relationships. Although some of the topics that, that we'll talk about in our households, the topics that we talk about in our relationships, sometimes they're hurtful because usually someone is hurt and therefore they want to engage in the conversation. The end result we're, we're hoping brings about peace, and we're hoping it brings about a sense of transformation. In Matthew chapter 5, we learn about Jesus on what we call the Sermon on the Mount. This is a time when, when just imagine Jesus is in this large valley, and, and he's kind of up on a, like a little hill, a little platform area, and there's thousands of persons that have gathered to hear him speak. And imagine Jesus has their full attention, and he is speaking some truth, but, but it's not just any kind of truth. It's a truth that they haven't really heard before, because listen, the religious elitists, they kind of had a way that said that this is how you get to God, and you have to do it by all of these laws that man has developed. But Jesus says, let's take a look at what the elitists of religion have said, and let me break it down into a simpler language. Let me teach you, Jesus said, what it means to be transformed. So Jesus is not giving a prescription to the kingdom of God. He's giving a description. He's helping the people see the reality of the kingdom of God. Simply because, remember, Jesus said the kingdom of God is with us. It's not something in the future. It's not something that we have to wait for. It is upon us now. You and I, we live in the kingdom of God right at this very moment. And therefore, the description of what he says in the Sermon on the Mount is, is an important thing. But in order to do that, in order to have the ears that will really process the words that we'll read in the Sermon on the Mount, is we have to change how we think. We can't think black and white. We've got to think kind of gray. We've got to, we've got to make room. We've got, to, we've got to push boundaries aside and that we can get a full picture of what Jesus is trying to say. Remember, Jesus came not to really like uh, lambish the law upon us. He came to help us to understand grace. And so in order to do that, we, we literally have to give our life over to the Lord. We have to say, Lord Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. I make you Lord of my decisions. I make you Lord of my, my questions, my relationships, my vocation. I give you everything. And once you give the Lord everything that there is about you, I guarantee you, you will begin to see how to live a kingdom life that, that Jesus is talking about. So let's just jump into Matthew chapter 5 and look at what he's saying. So Jesus is speaking, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You know, we, we oftentimes think that, that it's, it's, you know, controlling our own destiny, and, and it's through strength that we inherit or that we actually get ahead in life. But Jesus, again, he's turning the tables here. He's saying it is through our meekness that we actually inherit the earth. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled these are persons who, who, are, who are after God. These are persons who want their life to be in God. When we do that, when we chase after God, we are filled with the righteousness that we see. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Think about that for a second. It's kind of like the old reaping and sowing. 
If I sow mercy into the life of other people, then that mercy will be returned to me in some way. If I sow anger into my relationships, guess how my relationships back to me are going to be? They're going to be filled with anger. If I sow, you know, lack of trust in my relationships, then I'm not going to have any trusting relationships. But if I sow the good things into those relationships, then those will come back to me. Mercy is one of them. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So listen to what Jesus is saying. He says, blessed, blessed is, the, is the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Uh, blessed are the meek. And we think about that, the meek. What, is it, what does that mean? What does it mean to be meek and blessed? I mean, we have to take a, it means take a look at a new way. It means see the face and the love and the life of Christ in a different way, and in a way in which your life can experience. Yeah, I, could, I could spend weeks teaching on this. I mean, we could just break it down one by one of each of these statements for the last next nine or ten weeks, but I really want to focus on verse nine. That's kind of where I want to kick off this series. And, and remember, another name that we call these are the B-attitudes, B-hyphenate attitudes, or apostrophe attitudes, or hyphen. I'm not a good English person. Okay, dash, okay? B-dash attitudes. And what, what I think about that is when we remember them as B-attitudes, it help us to, uh, helps us to know that, that this is something we want to be. It's an attitude that we want to develop. So let's go to, let's go to verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemaker. Peace. Sometimes we, we read things into words that aren't there. Some of us look at the word like a peacemaker, and we think, man, that's kind of that's like mamby-pamby. That's, that's kind of like so off, and, and who wants to be a peacemaker? It sounds so, you know, shallow. It sounds so, like, weak and those kind of things. But let me tell you what, to be a peacemaker takes a lot of strength. To be a peacemaker, a true peacemaker, means that you move mountains. It means that, that you make a difference. You see, some of us, we struggle with the word peacekeeper, and the word peacemaker. We think they're the same. They're not the same. A peacekeeper is someone who really wants to avoid conflict at all costs. They're the ones who don't want to have the hard conversations. They're what I call the brooms. They like to lift up the rug and sweep the nonsense under it and, and pat it down and hope that it just goes away and that we never talk about it again. But a peacemaker, a peacemaker is different. A peacemaker is someone who leans into the conflict. A peacemaker is one who takes the initiative. A peacemaker is the one who does not have to be right, but they want to help find a solution that's best for all. So being a peacemaker takes courage. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. When we are peacemakers, when we are makers of peace, it is in those instances we become the children of God. And it's so intense in the ways in which he talks about here. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the only way that you can is to do the will of my Father. Meaning that when we follow and do what God is calling us to do and be, that's how we change our life, that's how we change our relationships, and that's how we change the world around us. So Jesus says, blessed are you as a peacemaker because you'll be a child of God. Doing the will of God the Father is what makes the difference. So when we look at this, I, I really think that that's a goal that we have. Yes, I want to be a peacemaker, but the truth is some of us are so opinionated we'll never get there. 
Because all we want to do is make sure that everybody knows that they're wrong and we're right. Do you know somebody like that? And, and so we get in these conversations and, and we become people of extremes. Whether you're at this extreme or this extreme, there's like there's no middle ground. And we lose sight of what it means to be in peace with one another. We get so caught up in trying to be right that we fail to love one another well. Because being right is the agenda versus loving. You know, this, this series that we're doing, it, I think it's been long coming. I mean, listen, I, I am so worn out over the last 18 months by political rhetoric, by pandemic, by the way in which we, we communicate with each other in social media and the things that we see. Anybody else with me on that? Can I get an amen? Okay. All right. So the point has come then, so, so we've begun to see this deterioration of how we treat one another, how we see one another, and we get to the point where we fail to recognize that you and I are children of God, that every single one of us has sacred worth in the eyes of God himself. But yet what we try to do is we want to champion our own cause at the extent of bringing harm to others. Or we want to tell people that there's no way anybody in their right mind would think that way. And it can only be this way. And if you don't believe this, then you're not a Christian and you're not this and you're not that. I, I have people who say that all day long. How can you be this and be a Christian? Well, wait a minute. I think Jesus is addressing these things inside of the Sermon on the, on the Mount. And I think that in that, we see that over this last season that we've been in, we've seen families divided. We've seen churches split and be divided. We've seen a nation be at its, at its throat with each other because of the political rhetoric and the hate language that's being communicated. And we've got some vast problems. And Jesus is addressing these in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to learn a little model today. It's a little four-step process. You can make notes on your phone at home. You can, you can make them on your phone or you can do it in some paper, however you want to do this. You can check this message out online in our archive later in the week. But it's really important because I want to give you four steps as to how to deal with becoming a peacemaker because I really think it's so important for us to learn how to do this. The model that I'm going to use is not a model I thought of. It's actually a model that I'm, I'm borrowing today. It comes from National Community Church in Washington, D.C. Mark Batterson is the pastor there. And, and, and Mark talks about how, how in his congregation, it's located right in the seed of Washington, D.C., right there in the Capitol Hill area. And so in his church, it's a, it's a multi-ethnic, it's a multi-racial, it's, it's a multi-cultural you know, a cultural kind of church. It, it's, it's like a true sense of what the kingdom of God is to be, right? And he talks about how, how he has politicians from both aisles of the political spectrum attend the church, and they get along, and they use this model. And what really intrigues me is this model was actually drafted by his youth group. So here you have the upcoming generation who has who has the, the vision to say to the older generation, you know, and the current generation, you guys have got to change your ways. Because if you don't adopt this, we're not going to be a people anymore. So here's the kind of the way I look at it is, is if he can teach that model at his church in the middle of Washington, D.C. With, with D.C. lawmakers, and they can get along and do this, then I know we can. 
all right? So, so here's a couple of the steps. The first one is ask anything. That's the first step. So when the conversations get hard, one of two things happen. We either clam up and we're not going to say anything because you know what? We're afraid. We're afraid to deal with the conflict. You know, if I, if I bring that to that person's attention, if they're making a bad decision, if they're harming themselves, if, if they're just making a silly decision in their life, in their church or whatever, I'm not going to bring it up because, well, we're friends and if I bring it up, they'll get mad at me. Does that ever happen to you? You avoid it because you're afraid that they might get mad at you? You know, looking in the scriptures, I I love the story of Nathan and King David. Nathan was a prophet. He loved his king. He went out of his way to make sure that he undergirded his king with with great um, love and loyalty. And then when David had the moral failure and committed adultery with Bathsheba, another man's wife, and then tried to cover it up, Nathan knew what the king did, and he had a choice. He knew that going to the king could ultimately cost him his life because the king could say, I'm going to kill you. Or he loved his friend enough to communicate, to be a peacemaker, to change the king's behavior. And Nathan had the courage to be a peacemaker. Peacekeeper would have been just ignore it. It'll go away. Peacemaker says, I love you too much. I'm willing to risk our friendship because I love you to help you to know that this is not right. And we see in that story that the king turns around so, so what if we engage in this asking question? So instead of bringing all of our opinions to the conversation, instead of kind of like thinking about what we're going to say in advance of somebody actually taking a breath and asking us what our opinion is, we've already, told, we've already thought about, I'm going to respond with this. What if we ask questions? What if instead of bringing our own preconceived end of the solution, what if we pause for a second and said, you know what? Maybe their opinion has some merit. Maybe their thought can help edify me. Maybe it can help me to know what is right and wrong. So what if we ask questions? So instead of saying it's got to be this way because I believe it and so on and we dig our heels in, what if we took a step back and said, hey, help me to hear your point of view. Help me to know why you're so passionate about this. Talk to me about it. I want to listen. I want to ask those questions. You know, Jesus put it this way. He said, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who, who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door opens up. I mean, he's talking about prayer in that context. But I, but I think it, it's very, you know, very related to this point here. Because Jesus is speaking in that truth. You know, we need to ask questions. And if we ask questions, we're seeking. And if we seek, we're going to find if we're asking questions, we're knocking on the door of information, and, it's, and the scripture says we will find the answer and the door will open and we'll be able to be at that point. You see, in, in the context of prayer, what Jesus is saying is if the God of the universe is going to open the expanse for you to come before him in all of his glory before his throne and ask whatever question that you have, God says if you ask it, if you seek me, you'll find the answer. So why can't we do that with each other? If God's willing to do that for us, If God's willing to say, ask me whatever's on your mind and and I will answer it, why can't we ask each other? I think it comes down to trust. We've kind of built into the system of our humanness that we're not very trusting with one another anymore. It used to be a person's word was, was golden. Their word was their life. Today, we manipulate things. We have agendas. We play with conversations to get our own way and we set people up. 
So we're not trusting like we should. So we need to ask those questions so that we can seek. So if, so if you're asking, keep asking. If you're seeking, keep seeking. If you're knocking, keep knocking. The answer is coming. Here's the second one. This one's a little harder. Listen well. Who here is a talker? Anybody in the room a talker? Come on now. Not just Pastor Pam. You know, so a lot of us, we get to the position where, where we just want to talk. We come into a conversation, and we just want to talk, 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 talk. But we have to learn how to listen. Most of us don't listen very well, would be my guess. If we listen well, our relationships would be a lot healthier. Our nation would be a lot healthier. We were created to be listeners. Have you ever thought about um, how we were created in the image of God? Certainly that means that we have a soul. But even if it meant our physical features, think about that for a second. We're created in the image of God. Let's just say our physical features. Take a look at a, a standard human being. They have arms, they have legs, they have eyes, they have hair, maybe sometimes not as much hair. But they have hair, they, they have you know, body functions and features. But what do they have? They have two ears and one mouth. Why do you think God designed us that way? Why do you think God gave us two of these, not, not just one and two mouths? So we would listen more. So even by our own creator's design, we were created to be listeners. The proverb writer says, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. You see, listening doesn't come naturally. We have to, we have to push ourselves to do that. If you've ever, if you're in a relationship with someone and you get into kind of a kerfuffle with them and, and things aren't going well, and, and the, kind of like the first thing you want to do is you don't want to hear their point of view. You just want them to know you're right and they're wrong. But when you mature in your relationship, you're at a point where you can come forward and say, I was wrong. Let me hear your point of view. Help me to understand. And you work it out. So we look at this, how, how important it is. You know, as a pastor, I, um, I, I attend a lot of meetings, okay? And, and, and in those meetings, what I've come to learn through the years is that sometimes when a pastor speaks, people get a little, get a little weird. They don't want to talk. The, the room gets quiet. It's like, well, the pastor's spoken, so that's the last word, and it's done. And that's not a healthy thing, is it? So, so, so what I've come to learn through my years as a leader is I've learned how to ask questions. I don't come in fully running the whole agenda and being the, the only person who speaks in things. I, I want to entertain questions. I'm going to ask hard questions. I'm not going to ask closed questions like yes or no. I'm going to ask open-ended questions. How, how will we do this? What will this look like in three months? What's going to be our goal in five years? Those are the kind of things. And what I've learned is, is that when you create that space and then you just kind of shut up and listen... It spawns the conversation, and you learn, and you get the ideas of others. So listening is, is really important. Here's the third one. Freely disagree. Freely disagree. To be a peacemaker, you need to learn to freely disagree. When, when I look at Jesus in the New Testament, I look at how Jesus modeled behavior. I looked at how, how Jesus was convicted about stuff. I looked at, at what he's passionate about. What was Jesus passionate about? He's passionate about the poor. He's passionate about single mobs or widows. He's passionate about you know, making sure that, that, that people have an opportunity in their life to, to meet God. He's passionate about that. He was passionate about the disciples. 
Jesus was also, he was passionate about prayer. He was passionate about Jerusalem. But the one thing I think he was passionate the most about was unity. And that was central to his ministry here on earth was, was how can we be a people in unity? And we see the significance that comes with this. Let's go to John 17. Jesus is praying, and he says, my prayer is not for them alone. So he says that his prayer is not just for the disciples that are with him at that moment. He said, I pray also for those who will believe in me <clears throat> through their message. So the people who listen to the message of the disciples through time, Jesus is praying for them. And he says, so that they will all be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So, so what he's saying in this prayer is, is that, that his love and his pouring in and unity of the disciples, the 12 that were with him plus the women, is that something would happen and now their testimony. So some 2,000 years later, you and I, because of that prayer, because of his desire for unity, we have it. And he prayed that prayer so that we could connect and know that unity is a huge part of our life. One of the things I, I love about our church is, is that we are evolving and striving to be a church of diversity. We're striving to be a church of diversity. We want our church uh, purpose and mission to reflect the needs of our community. We are not solely a community full of white people. We have black people, we have uh, Asian people, you know, we have um, brown people, Latinos. So we want to make sure that, that, that our church becomes a diverse church. We have people who are gay. We have people who are straight. We have people who are single. We have people who are married. We have people who are divorced. We want to make sure that we can be a church of diversity. And I believe that's what Jesus is talking about here in the Sermon of the, on, the, on the Mount. He's talking about that, that we're to become a church that doesn't just think one way or that a church that doesn't just look one way. We don't even want to vote the same way. We want diversity. And that's one of the beautiful things that I see that's emerging in who we are as a church. So our goal is not to be right about stuff. We don't want to be right in every relationship that we have, but we want to be a relationship that builds trust. And we want to be a, a church whose relationships build, build love and hope and instills that in, in all people. So we find this final principle. Here's number four, okay? So those were three. Here's number four. Love regardless. And I believe this one comes directly from the heart of God. So love regardless. So, so when we start thinking about this love regardless, love regardless, it means that no matter what, we're supposed to love one another. We may not agree with the behavior that someone is exhibiting on a particular day, but we're called to love them because it's through God's love that we can see transformation. So we see this love regardless, and what usually goes through our mind is, if someone is mean to me, am I supposed to love them? Yes, you're supposed to love them regardless. You may not like them, but you're called to love them. You know, well, what if a person doesn't love me regardless? What am I supposed to do? We're called to love regardless, and then some, so that it changes that. One of the greatest examples that I saw of this uh, came back in the civil rights movement with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. King Jr. knew that wherever he went in promoting this call for equality in our nation, that a person of color is a human being, that they are a child of God, and they are to be loved just as white people were loved. And Dr. King Jr., as he began this experience, we saw in his life that he was, he was getting death threats. He was being spat upon. He was arrested 
And we saw that people were hurling insults at him, condemning him and trying to tear him down. So what did Dr. King Jr. do? It's what he didn't do. He didn't return those insults with insults. He didn't return that rhetoric of hate with hate. He didn't return, uh, didn't call for a call to arms to go and shoot people because they disagreed with him. Dr. King put it this way. He said, love is the only force capable of turning an enemy into a friend. Love. Love is the only force that can turn an enemy into a friend. Brothers and sisters, he only said this because he, he understood John 17. He understood this prayer of Jesus, this call to unity, this call to talking, this call to work things out, this call to love one another in the midst of their, dis, their differences, this call to be peacemakers. He understood this. The words of Jesus again, I in them and you in me, as he prays to the Father, so that they, all of us, may be brought to complete unity. Not some unity, not just a little, not every now and then, but complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as much as you have loved me. Jesus gives you and me the skills. He gives us the plan to navigate life. And he says that if we employ this plan to become peacemakers, it's then that we will be recognized as children of God. Let me tell you what the world's looking for. The world's looking for people who actually do what they believe. The world today is hungry for Christians to truly be peacemakers, that we become the people who actually do and act like the Christ that they worship. And until we do that, we are a false gospel. But Jesus calls us into this. Jesus calls us to make a difference. And when you and I accept that invitation to make a difference, to be a peacemaker, that's when the world begins to see the ripples and things will change. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be children of God. That's the cheer that we hold. That's the cheer that we take today. You are a peacemaker. You are blessed. You are a child of God. Now do something with it and don't waste the gift.